Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Well, hello and good morning, faithful listeners, and thank you for tuning into the Bible Explained podcast. It's been just gorgeous, gorgeous weather here. I am so thankful and I feel that little breeze coming through and it kind of feels like fall. And here, here's what's funny about that. I was very upset maybe like two weeks ago that fall is approaching because it sort of felt like we didn't have much of a summer here. My summer was rather cold, but all of a sudden I feel the crisp fall air and I see the leaves beginning to change and I have turned into a basic white girl, which is what I am anyway. There's no shame in it. <laughs> But I have my pumpkin candles, my pumpkin decorations. I painted my nails orange to commemorate the fall. I have my scarves and my boots and my coffee and blankets ready to go. I have gone full fall mode and I can't resist it. Every single year it happens exactly the same way. I'm always unhappy that summer is ending, but the second that crisp breeze comes through, the second apples are in season... Everything is pumpkin in my house. Everything is apple scented. I can't resist it. Like there's something that takes over inside of me and I go full on fall mode. And it's very funny because I I truly do think that this is not just a me thing. I really think this happens to basically every female out there. (laughs) I really think it up. I'm telling you, I think it's a thing like a female thing. I don't know, though. I would love to hear your opinions on that. So that's the question of the day. Are you a female and are you in full fall mode right now? But okay, let's talk about scripture today, which is what we're supposed to be doing on the podcast. Let's read Acts chapter 7 verses 30 through 60. This is actually a very, very sad portion of scripture. And where we left off last time, Stephen had been arrested by the council, which was the Pharisees of his time period. And the Pharisees are inciting violence against Stephen. They are inciting lies against him. So they have all these false witnesses saying that Stephen said this or Stephen said that. When none of those claims are true, Stephen stands up in front of the council and he begins to defend himself. But the fact is, he doesn't actually defend himself at all. Instead, he gives the council a history and Bible lesson from the Old Testament, where he goes back to the very beginning of Genesis with the first patriarch of Israel, who happens to be Abraham. And he starts talking about how God appeared to Abraham and then God was with Joseph in prison and God was with Moses as well. And how the Israelite people constantly fell away from God during that time period, but yet God was constantly appearing to them. And Stephen, by saying some of these things, He was describing how God himself doesn't need a temple to live in because the Pharisees actually idolized the temple in some way. They put God in a box by saying that God's spirit lived in the temple. And Stephen is saying how God's spirit doesn't live in the temple. And the temple is a man-made thing, a human-made thing that God doesn't live in. God is everywhere. God is outside of the temple. And the Pharisees, who claimed to know the Old Testament inside and out, didn't understand these basic principles. Now, Stephen is going to tie all of this in to Jesus, the Messiah, in today's portion of scripture. So let's go ahead and read 
Once again, Acts chapter 7, verses 30 to the end of the chapter, verse 60. And I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual. But feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer and also your um, pumpkin spice latte or your chai tea, because those are the two things that I think relate the most to fall right now. But anyway, let's read Acts chapter 7 and learn more about Stephen. Starting in verse 30, Stephen is speaking to the council. He says, When 40 years were fulfilled, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, or Moses, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. As he came close to see, a voice of the Lord came to him. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses trembled and dared not look. The Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people that is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning. I have come down to deliver them. Now come, and I will send you into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? God had sent him as both a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, having worked wonders and signs in Egypt, in the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is that Moses, who said to the children of Israel, The Lord our God will raise up a prophet for you from among your brothers, like me. Deuteronomy 18.15 This is he who was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel that spoke to him on Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received living revelations to give to us, to whom our fathers wouldn't be obedient, but rejected him and turned back in their hearts to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods that will go before us, for as for this Moses, who led us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Exodus 32, 1. They made a calf in those days and brought a sacrifice to the idol and rejoiced in the works of their hands. But God turned and gave them up to serve the army of the sky, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer to me slain animals and sacrifices 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God, Raphon, the figures which you made to worship. I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness, even as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which also our fathers in their turn brought in with Joshua when they entered into the possession of the nations, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers to the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a habitation for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth a footstool for my feet. What kind of house will you build me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Didn't my hand make all these things? Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets didn't your fathers persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. You received the law as it was ordained by angels and didn't keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, then rushed at him with one accord. They threw him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he called out, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. The Pharisees did not like Stephen. They hated Stephen. They brought false witnesses against Stephen to accuse Stephen of blasphemy. They were murderous. The Pharisees murdered Jesus. So why wouldn't they murder Stephen, who was a follower of Jesus? So you can see that they, they at the very end, they already were convinced that they were going to murder Stephen anyway. But Stephen, I think, knew this, but also had a lot of power from the Holy Spirit. And so Stephen was speaking with this conviction here. And so in verse 30, he goes on to describe the early accounts in the Old Testament, basically the accounts in Exodus. So where we talked last time, he was in the book of Genesis discussing the founding fathers, basically, of the Israelite nation describing how God gave them these revelations, describing how God does not live in a temple made with human hands, and also how God determines religion. So now Stephen, where we picked back up today, is in the book of Exodus, and he starts talking about Moses and how Moses was initially rejected by the people of Israel, even though he was the best qualified leader, because Moses was saved by God as a baby. And not only was he saved by God, but he was able to live inside of Pharaoh's household and learn the customs of both Egypt and of the Israelites. So Moses was the best candidate for the position of leader of Israel at that time. But the people of Israel literally rejected Moses. So Moses flees because he did commit murder, which was bad. I should have mentioned that actually when we talked about this last time, uh, Moses did murder somebody terrible thing that happened there. But Moses flees because he murdered somebody, but also because the Israelite people rejected him. So Moses goes and lives in the land of Midian, marries a Midianite woman. And God actually appears to Moses in the burning bush. And that's where God reveals his name. He says, I am Yahweh. I am the I am. So Stephen retelling this story is showing how once again, God does not live anywhere. He can appear to anybody whenever he wants to appear to them and in any way that he wants to appear to them. He appears to Moses in a burning bush, right? Something that you wouldn't think God would appear to you in, but that is how he chose to appear to Moses is in this burning bush. And so Stephen's saying, look, God does not live anywhere. And this is once again showing the Pharisees that the temple really has very little value. The temple is not what we should be worshiping or idolizing, but rather we should be worshiping and idolizing Yahweh God. So going back to the story of Moses, God appears to Moses and sends Moses, even though the Israelites rejected Moses. It says in verse 35, this Moses whom the Israelites refused saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? God sent him as both a ruler and a deliverer. So what Stephen is saying here is that the Israelites over and over and over again reject the people who God sends. And yet God still sends those people. And God is the one who determines who he is going to send. It's not up to the Israelites. It's not up to us to decide God's plan. God will decide his own plans because God knows everything. He's outside of space and time. We cannot limit God. We cannot put God inside of a box. So Moses goes back to the Israelite people in Egypt, even though they initially rejected him. And so he becomes 
the ruler and the judge, basically, even though the people are like, who sent you as a ruler and a judge? Well, God did. So Moses goes back and he leads the people out of Egypt, right? And Moses actually tells the people that someday God would send another prophet like Moses. And that's from Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. And of course, Moses is describing Jesus there. He's saying God is going to send Jesus, the Messiah. And that's what Stephen is getting at. Stephen goes on to describe the story further from verses like 39 to 44, approximately. He's like, okay, even in the wilderness, the Israelites refused to obey God and refused to obey God's plan. They built a golden calf for themselves, something made with human hands. They tried to decide their own religion. They wanted to reject what Yahweh had already given to them, which was the Ten Commandments. They wanted to reject that and make up their own religion. So they build this golden calf and begin worshiping that. And then not only do they worship the golden calf, Scripture actually says that while the Israelites were in the wilderness, they never actually worshiped God. At any point in time, the Levites were really the only tribe that worshiped God in the wilderness that we know of. The other tribes completely rejected Yahweh the entire time and were holding fast to their gods Moloch and also Raphon. Now, we know that Moloch and Baal were basically the same God. So the Israelite people, the entire time they were in the wilderness, refused to obey or acknowledge Yahweh. They kept trying over and over and over again to determine their own religion, to make up their own religion instead of what God's plan was for them. Now, the reason Stephen is recalling this history of the Israelites to the Pharisees is because that is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They were making up their own religion. They were making an idol out of the temple, which was made with human hands, similarly to how the golden calf was made with human hands. And the, the Pharisees were basically doing exactly what the Israelites in the wilderness were doing, just trying to make up their own religion and rejecting what God gave to them, rejecting the idea that Moses was a prophet from God. And the Pharisees were rejecting the idea that Jesus was the Messiah from God. So Stephen is tying all of it back to the Pharisees. And, you know, the Pharisees know what Stephen is doing. They know exactly what Stephen is doing here. And they're getting more and more angry, I am sure, as Stephen is continuing to talk about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and how the Pharisees are just being exactly like their ancestors, rejecting Jesus and the followers of Jesus for something false. So one of the false things, like I, I said before, that the Pharisees were idolizing was the temple. And the Pharisees believed that that was where God resided, was in the most holy place of the temple in Jerusalem. But Stephen reminds them that God doesn't live in a temple. And the Old Testament scriptures actually say that God does not reside in temples made with human hands. And that's because we can't limit God to residing in one place. As we know now, every person that becomes a, a Christian and accepts the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is residing in them. So how can it be that the Holy Spirit is residing in both me and you? <laughs> it's because we can't limit the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is limitless. And so he doesn't just live in one 
singular place. Not to mention that anything made with human hands is far inferior to what God has made. So Stephen reminds them of a prophecy from Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. God says, heaven is my throne and the earth is a footstool for my feet. What kind of a house will you build me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Didn't my hand make all of these things? So God is reminding the people way back in the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years before Stephen even was born, that whatever humanity can make with their hands is inferior to what God makes. And not only that, we're using the materials <laughs> that God already made to begin with. And so God's just like, what can you do, humans, that is better than what I do? The temple, as beautiful as it is, was made by God first. And you're limiting God by saying that he dwells in the temple. And you're also idolizing something that is not God. And you can't do that. So to conclude, Stephen says to them, you stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. You're always limiting him. You're always saying that he isn't appearing when he is appearing. You're always doing something to go against the Holy Spirit. And you're doing it again. You're doing it again by saying that Jesus was not the Messiah. You're doing it again by rejecting the message of the Holy Spirit in the early Christian church. And because the Pharisees are rejecting the Holy Spirit once again, Stephen is actually saying that they are uncircumcised in heart and in ears. Now, this would have infuriated the Pharisees because circumcision was probably another thing I would imagine that they idolized because that was the first covenant that God gave to Abraham. A covenant is a promise. And so God set Abraham apart by having Abraham and Abraham's entire male family get circumcised because um, male circumcision was just something that people did not do back in those days. You know, nobody thinks to cut off that portion of themselves. Right. But God told Abraham to do that. That was the first covenant setting Abraham apart from the other nations. And the Israelites idolized that, I'm sure, to some extent. And so to be called uncircumcised by Stephen would have been a huge, huge insult to them. They are refusing the circumcision that God truly wants them to have. The circumcision that would set them apart as God's true children by listening to the message of the gospel of Jesus. So he says, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are uncircumcised as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets didn't your fathers persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. You received the law as it was ordained by angels and didn't keep it. So he's like, from the very beginning of time, you've been persecuting people who have come truly in God's name, who God sent, and you're doing it still. You're still persecuting people who come in God's name. You're doing it right now, actually. You received the law as it was ordained by angels and you didn't keep it. Now, angels means messengers, just to let you know. And sometimes even Jesus himself is called an angel. So he's, he's a messenger. Now, the Pharisees, just like their Israelite ancestors, received the law. They're like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll take this law, but I'll make it my own. I'm going to add stuff in, take stuff out. 
just just make my own religion out of what God has given me. And Stephen's like, yeah, you receive the law just fine, just as your ancestors did. But you choose to do whatever you want with it. You reject what God has given you and you continually reject what God has told you to do. Now, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. That is how angry the Pharisees were at Stephen. It says they were cut to the heart. Now, this could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, as we've discovered in Scripture. The first time that phrase is mentioned is actually when Peter had given a sermon to Jerusalem. And the people, after they heard Peter's sermon, were cut to the heart, but in a good way, where they wanted to receive what Stephen had given them. But there's also a cutting to the heart, which is more like a deep anger and violence that uh, sears your heart, basically, and wants to make you do damage, I suppose, to somebody. And that's what the Pharisees were experiencing. They had a cutting to the heart that made them so angry that they were like grinding their teeth at Stephen, hearing what he's saying to them. But verse 55 says, but he being full of the Holy Spirit looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Notice a similarity here, actually. This was when the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin rushed at Stephen, it says, with one accord and threw him out of the city and began to stone him. There's a similarity because Jesus had said something very similar when he was on trial with these very same men. He actually told them, I am going to ascend up into heaven and you're going to see me standing at the right hand of the father or something similar along those lines. And that was when the Pharisees got so angry at Jesus that they took him to Pilate to crucify him. So what is it about this statement, Jesus standing at the right hand of the father, that makes these Pharisees so angry? What is it about that statement that makes them murderous? Because it's happening twice now. I think they're realizing and understanding that Jesus is their authority and they can't handle that. People do not like to hear that Jesus is their authority. Because I do think that deep down inside, Everybody has some inkling of that. That is why people take the Bible and twist it as much as they do to fit their current narrative or ideology. Why do they go through so much trouble to twist scripture? There's actually many podcasts out there that their sole goal is to try to destroy Christianity. Why go through all the trouble of that? I didn't make a podcast to try to destroy another religion. There's no value for me to do something like that because other religions are not my authority. I don't care what they have to say, <laughs> like at all. So I wouldn't go through the trouble of trying to destroy those other religions and making it my life goal and uh, a podcast specifically dedicated to destroying any of those religions because they're not my authority. Rather, I make a podcast about the Bible because I believe that the Bible is powerful and I believe that the Bible is our authority and we can choose to make it our authority and we can choose to not to. 
But in the end, regardless of whether you choose scripture or not, Jesus is up there. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is standing at the right hand of standing, by the way, at the right hand of God, the father, and he will be our authority, whether or not we want him to be our authority. And I think people can't stand that. And I also think that people deep down inside know that Jesus is, in fact, their authority, because otherwise people would not go to such a length to try to destroy a religion that they don't care about. So I think that's why the Pharisees get so angry at Stephen when they when they hear this, that Stephen said that Jesus was standing at the right hand of the father, because I think they know that they killed Jesus and incited both the Gentiles and the Jews alike to kill Jesus up on that cross. So they take Stephen out of the city after Stephen said this, and they begin to kill him right then and there. By the way, the Roman government was still around. It was not legal for the Pharisees to do this, but they did it anyway. And Stephen was being stoned. And as they stoned him, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And so he kneeled down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I don't know if if Jesus had mercy and took his spirit before he had to deal with too much suffering. I'm not going to say either way. I, I'm, I don't want to say that he didn't suffer, but there's something kind of peaceful about falling asleep. You know, uh, when you think of falling asleep, typically you think of, you know, a restful, relaxing environment where you're able to just sleep soundly. So there's, there's an amount of peace almost that Stephen was feeling or Stephen was having when he died. And that's not something we typically think of as Christians, that death or martyrdom like this could be peaceful. But there is an aspect of peace with this because Stephen was able to see Jesus before he died and as he was dying and when he died. So if you think about it, that's, that is kind of peaceful in a way. But notice that Saul is mentioned here for the first time. And he was in agreement, we're going to find out with all of this. He didn't like Stephen, didn't like the early church. And we'll talk more about Saul in the next coming chapters. But faithful listeners, don't forget throughout the week to make scripture your authority. And how do you do that? By reading it, by listening to it, by just trying to do the principles in scripture that God calls us to do as Christians. Faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of the book of Judges. We're going to be finishing up with Abimelech. Crazy, crazy character, crazy story. So that's going to be a great episode. Tune in tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. Happy listening and God bless. Thank you.